our souls. So our souls are continually being saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Our spirit's made alive unto God. Hallelujah. But our souls are continually being saved. What does that mean? Our will and intellect and emotion. And our mind is uh, that arena that helps in our soul function. It affects our soul. So you could say will, intellect, emotion, and mind, but the mind particularly. Always remember this. There is a spiritual war that you and I are in until it's consummated. Amen? There's a spiritual war, and we have a spiritual enemy. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood. And we're in, walking in battles frequently. But I got new good news for you, too. I heard uh, the uh, pastor from uh, Pensacola, Pastor uh, Fitz Kilpatrick, John Kilpatrick. He did a, a, a sermon one time and preached on this. that, And he was talking about the attacks of the enemy. Anybody in here ever had an attack of the enemy? Let me see your hand, huh? Yeah. Aren't you glad that he's not omnipresent? <laughs> but he said it this way, and I never, ever thought about it this way, but he said, when you go to the grocery store and you look at different product, there's a date on it where it expires. Say shelf life. So he said this, that every temptation or attack of the enemy has a shelf life where God says thus far and no more. Hallelujah. This, this, this trial is done. Aren't you glad? And you know what? Every trial that you and I go through, it's to stretch us. It's like working a muscle. God's intent is, to, is never to bring you and I harm, but is to always inspire and cause growth to come. Growth in his character. Growth in his knowledge. Growth in his being. Amen? So... Changing our mindsets is absolutely essential. And one thing, there's been many things. The, when you think of the strategies and you think of even the political arena, I'd, just to run a quick comparison, this wasn't prepared. But up until the, the early 90s, 1900s rather, up until about 19, late 30s, 1940, every decision in the courts of the United States of America was based from Scripture. And if you need a reference for that, there's a ministry called Wall Builders, and David Barton is the minister at the helm there. And he has all this material that is available for the body of Christ to get knowledge of history, of the spiritual history of this land. Hallelujah. I tell you, we, yeah, it is amazing. Wall Builders. So here we are that every judgment and decision, but from the time that they began to deviate and go off the word of God as the foundation for decision making and all affairs. Listen, think about it. What does the scripture say? Out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, every word's established. Amen. That came from the Bible. And it also is has power in the courts because of the scripture, the foundation, the precedence. They make decisions in courts based on precedent. You can have something that can happen in a courtroom like just a, a different thing that hasn't occurred for years. But if there's a reference and a precedent of a decision in the courts in years before, that they can bring that up to the table and say, well, this, was, this happened in this year, this month, blah, 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 in this situation, this case. And this was the decision made. So now, judge, you need to make a decision based on not only the the courts or the law, but on precedent. Say precedent. See, you and I need to establish precedence in the spirit. Hallelujah. We're anointed, everybody in here, to establish protocol and precedence in the spirit. So there's a mindset. The devil, now I'm bringing that up for this reason. So from that time that they be, the devil, in a, I'm going to say this, he's a deviant, brilliant strategist. See, the devil's not interested in microwave trials, microwave situations and everything else. He, well, he served the Lord God Almighty. He was familiar with God's ways. He knew God wasn't a microwave and he knew God was a crockpot. 
Not a crackpot, a crockpot. But what does that mean? That God does things. He's like a farmer. Larry Randolph, a prophet of God, said this one time. God is a farmer. He understands and he does things in seed time and harvest. He's established it. God say God's not in a rush, but he's right on time. Maybe not our time all the time, <laughs> but he's right on time, saints. He'll never fail us. We may fail him, but aren't you glad that Paul said, even uh, when we're, Paul made this statement, when we are faithless, where it seems to be an absence of faith in our experience, and we ha we're operating and living in faith, but all of a sudden our faith seems like, where to go? I can't find the file. He says, he is faithful. So what do we do at that moment where you, sometimes your faith feels like it's waned or it's not operating? You say, Father, I thank you that you are faithful and that you were full my faith up. So we saw different things. Jesus said, take heed of what you hear. And I'm not going to be embarrassed about this or apologize for it in any way, shape, or form. One of the things necessary for the churches to thrive where God's going to move is for people to believe in their leaders. It really is necessary. Because if you don't trust, if there's always this element of trust or indifference when you come in to, to be in the presence of God because you truly have a sincerity in your heart to please the Father in all respects. Right? That's what the Scripture says. Listen, anybody that stands in a five-fold office is either called or crazy. Amen. Because if you're not called, you're crazy. <laughs> but the beauty of this is, is that in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul paints this whole picture of the operation of the gifts. And I was sharing before we started the service today that a word was coming to me on the way here, and it was covet. Covet. Covet earnestly spirituals to be in operation. And it wasn't written to the fivefold. It was written to the whole body. Desire earnestly spirituals. Covet is a, one of the languages. Amen? So covet, on one side, we know the Ten Commandments. Immediately that comes up on my radar. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Amen? So covet is a force. And there's something about coveting if it's in the wrong direction. But here, here's the thing. Remember we were talking about from Jude 3? Remember Jude 3? Contend earnestly for your faith. Contend is an action word and has a lot of important substance to it. Contend earnestly, which is a descriptive word. First thing comes to my mind with a passion, a, 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 a daily passion, a daily awareness, a constancy for you and I. Man, 24-7, that there's something that's there. Regardless of what we're, our relationships, you can have fun. You know, you could be in any situation or everything, but, oh, there's a constancy. There's a, mm, there's a resonating in the spirit. Mm, and you're on the frequency of the Holy Ghost. You and I are called to be, a, and remember we talked about this. God has called the church to be a voice and to have a voice. And one of the things that the devil, uh, uh, the attempts of the devil is to, in his strategy is to silence you and I. Silence, in our, silence our identity. That's another thing we have said in this house several times. The church at large, at large, say at large, has an identity crisis. We're still trying to figure out who we are. Or we have the fact of who we are. We have facts about how we're supposed to live. We have facts of what we're supposed to do in the kingdom. But yet there's a, a barrier. There's a barrier holding us back from moving into the works of the Father. Of believing that I am anointed. Believing that I am called. Hallelujah. Say it with me. If you believe you're anointed today, say, I believe I'm anointed. I believe I'm called by God. Hallelujah. You are. You're not your own. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. I was, and, uh, interestingly... You know, the, the law of Genesis is every seed produces after its own kind. So when you and I are, we get out of the, if we get out of, if we get out of the will of God and his plan, if we get out of the guidance of the word and guidance of the spirit and guidance of his leaders, then we get fall into dangerous ground. 
Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and wages against all wise judgment. And there are times, listen, you're talking to a guy that that can be a weakness in my life, isolation. I can be a loner. Believe it or not. Yeah, you? Yeah. I can be a loner in a lot of ways, and I have to work at opening, keeping myself open and opening myself up. A, first of number one, A, to God, but on humanity, with my wife, with my family, with the church. It's difficult to follow a leader that's so high and lifted up that you, don't, you, know, you feel like you can't even approach him. But it's good to be around leaders that you can touch. Amen? Interact with. You can laugh with. But when you understand the government and authority of God and, and his design, we're all equal in the family of God, but in the government of God, there is a different pecking order. And it's for purpose. It's for dominion. It's for accomplishing things. One thing this church needs, again, is vision. Hallelujah. Purpose. Hallelujah. Excitement in it. That everybody in here is called. What are you guys? And according to Corinthians, did you say ambassador? What are you? I can't hear you. I believe you. Second Chronicles 20. So we've had this whole thing, and Jesus said, take heed what you hear. And there's a very earnest, a very loving, I can't say, stress it enough. Take heed, my sheep what you hear, and that's including all of us. Take heed. Put high value and high regard on what you hear. I commend you today that I, here we are. We just pulled this blast from the past selection from Hungary, a vineyard CD, and the outpouring of the Toronto Blessing. But it felt so good. Carol and I were listening to She pumped. Well, I have to be truthful and honest here. She is a worshipolic, and, you know, she just constantly got stuff going on. And she was drawn to, well, we're looking at the song Breathe. So she found it, and then we began to listen to the album. And as we were listening to it, we were getting flooded with the anointing. It's like, well, there's a no-brainer. Whoopsie-daisy. You know, and, and Carol checked with Pastor Carrie and said, uh, what's God showing you for tomorrow? And she was saying, I've been praying and seeking, and I ain't get, getting nothing. I said, glory to God, we got it. And you did well. There was such a joy in here with those songs. Weren't those songs refreshing? Yeah. Say refreshing. Hallelujah. Yeah. Good stuff. So God wants you and I to be, listen, I want to tell you something. Uh, and, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Peter says something in his letters that, hey, regarding the things that I have communicated to you, I remind you again. Say reminding. There are three things that were prophesied in 1984 through at least three prophets that I know of. And the God was saying, I'm going to send revival and I'm going to send wine, wind, and fire. And my bride was one of them, didn't know the other two had spoken it. She spoke it in this house. Wine, wind, and fire. January 20th, 1994, 10 years later. And the and this prophet said in 10 years. How do you know a prophet's a prophet when it comes to pass? Amen. <laughs> Some people don't know a prophet from a loss. We need to know a prophet. Wine. Say wine. What happened? There was an outpouring at the Toronto Airport Vineyard Fellowship. And January 20th, 19, actually with the pre, there was a precursor before it. August of 1993 at a Rodney Howard Brown meeting at Raymond Bible Training Center, he prayed for one of the vineyard pastors, Randy Clark. Anybody ever hear Randy Clark? Randy Clark was the vessel God used, but Randy said, I was so dry, and they believed in, in healing. They believed in all that stuff. They didn't know, understand falling out and all that. It's amazing how you have so many different expressions in the body of Christ and different the way a particular denomination or organization may think. But Randy said, I was so dry, I was like hanging, by, biting a, a rope, but it was no longer a rope. It was just dangling by a string. I was so ready to step out of ministry. He got under the anointing of God. God so filled him and flooded him and touched him that he was roto-rooted. He was refilled, refired, and just 
carrying an anointing that was so powerful. He was invited up to Toronto Christian Fellowship, and he and John Arnott had heard about what had happened to him, and he said, Randy, would you come and speak? He said, speak on what? Because Randy didn't understand exactly what was going on. He would show up, and all of a sudden, people start falling out in the Holy Ghost, laughing, un- laughing with, you know, with nobody touching them, no jokes cut, just falling out, hitting the floor and roaring and laughing with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, that's a sign of wonder, amen? I mean, yeah, and now listen. If you're in a Holy Ghost house or you're in a, a, a very disciplined house and a very crisp functioning church, hallelujah, that you have order and the ushers are to stop anything that's in the flesh. Let everything be done decently and in order. What do you do when God shows up? Well, God, you know, you're not doing it the way we've established here. No, you let God do what he wants to do. Amen. So, well. Randy preached up there in, uh, in January of 94, and the outpouring of God, Randy just said, and John just began to overflow. They began to have signs and wonders, and people began to just fall out all over the building, falling out, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, drunk in the Spirit, laughing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It was a chaotic mess in the natural. But, oh, God was moving in the Spirit. Amen. Listen, a lot of people have said it over the years, and revivalists have said revival is messy. Say revival is messy. Why? Because God begins to show himself in ways that we haven't, we're not familiar with or, and sometimes we're not comfortable with. Amen. Well, glory. Father, there's the wine. And the Lord said this to me, as, and we've had this since 1987. When Joe Jordan was anointed by God and and his ministry shifted from prophet to evangelist and he began to take the anointing of God and laying hands on people, praying for he he always had a healing ministry. And all of a sudden people began to get drunk in the spirit, laughing with joy unspeakable, full of glory, falling out in the power and receiving healing miracles. All kind of odd things were happening in those meetings. We've had that since 1987. In our meetings when Joe would come in, but that's, you know, the anointing would come in for that, and then the anointing would leave. And But on grand occasions, God would just do it and bless this house. But you know what? God, anything God gives you, you have authority to use. And see, that's, that's a good point for here. This, we should have this. The, your faith is so essential to the climate of this house. Our faith collectively. Now, listen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, if you want to fill us with your wine, glory to God, have at it. I mean, I, uh, how, many would, how many are against joy? Well, we're not against it, but is it a frequent experience? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Should be, it's there all the time. It's inside. It's in our, it's in our spirit. The fruit of the Holy Ghost. Well, then the fire. Father's Day, 1995. I'm going to give you a quick history. Pensacola, Florida, they had been praying for revival. And the fire of God came into that place. Millions have been to Toronto for the blessing and to be refreshed. People, like Carol said, she pointed out, there were little articles in newspapers and other countries across the globe about the Toronto outpouring. Little... Yeah, two-inch line or something like that. God's moving, you know, out Toronto outpouring, uh, experience the glory or something like that. And people would just see this little, little ad about what God was doing in Toronto, and they would book a flight, get a hotel from Japan and all over Asia. They were coming because Toronto is the second largest international city. So look at the wisdom of God. Why do you choose Toronto? It's an international city. The wisdom of God. God's so smart. Our daddy's so smart. I said our daddy's so smart. Hallelujah. So let's go on here a minute. Second Chronicles. And this isn't a setup. This is not a setup to say, you know, to say, no way, shape, or form have we ever advocated that anybody put us on a place where we don't belong. 
No leader, any leader that needs that kind of affirmation to be feel like he or she is above the congregation is a gooberhead, and they're falling into the 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 strategy of the devil to think more highly of themselves than they should. Now we're one in Christ, Amen. But in the government of God, is we see we have to as leaders we have to believe in the anointing of God in you. And in, in our endeavors as leaders to help equip the church for the work of ministry, our faith is in God, but our faith is also in God in you. That you are fruitful people. You are the light of the world. You are the salt. Hallelujah. You're a treasure. Glory to God. You are living members in his body. And, oh, glory, we need to honor and love each other. Amen. But let's look at this, 2 Chronicles 2.20. You know the story here. Jehoshaphat and Israel surrounded by three enemies. Three different countries have come against them. And uh, the, word of, you know, the word comes to them, a warning to Jehoshaphat that, hey, the enemy's coming to, to, to wipe you out. And they call a, and consecrated a fast for three days without food or water. Even the animals, everything. No, we're gonna food, we're gonna fast and get on our face before God. Amen. That's the story. Read it. Second Chronicles chapter twenty. Second Chronicles twenty. Did I say two twenty? Two Chronicles twenty. <laughs> As they're seeking the Lord and fasting for three days. The anointing comes on the prophet, and the prophet speaks to them. Now, you're not going to have to fight this battle. This battle is not yours, but it's God's. Well, it's their, their fight. They're in a position to fight, right? Right? But in this story, the prophet says you're not going to have to fight at all. But this is how it's going to play out. You're going to go out. And put all the praisers up front with banners. No weapons of war. Because God has a different weapon of war to, for this day and this fight. The praisers and the singers are going to go first. And they come out. Here comes the children of Israel. All three nations armed with war, weapons of war ready and desiring to annihilate the people of God. God says, go on out there and praise me. And they began to go out and worship God and sing praises unto God as they approached the army of the enemy. And as they sang unto God, God brings by his spirit and by the angel of God, we're not sure exactly, but it's by the Holy Ghost, his power, he came upon them, brought confusion into the camp of the enemy and, and adversity against each other. They began to fight, and they had killed, they all killed each other until there was none left. That's a pretty good battle. I mean, we could all use that once in a while, amen? <laughs> but not kill humans. <laughs> but, Lord, kill the demons behind these strategies, please. <laughs> amen. <laughs> But look at Second Chronicles. In verse 20, it says this. So they rose early in the morning. This is when they're getting ready to go out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, this king was anointed of God and inspired by the Holy Ghost. And he makes this proclamation. Believe in the Lord your God. And you shall be established. Now, they were facing a severe situation. They were facing a severe enemy. Amen? You with me? Stay on the page. They were facing, uh, in the natural, a fight that couldn't be won. But then this stands up. The prophet had spoken, and the king takes it. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Now, I want to say something in here. Believe in the Lord your God, his word, and his spirit. Come on. Believe in the Lord your God, 
his word and his spirit. Hallelujah. Say believe. Say it. Shout at me. Believe. Hallelujah. In the Lord your God and you shall be established. Now this word established is pretty amazing. This is what it means. To build up. You shall be built up. Or support. You shall be supported. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be supported by him. His desire is to support us. But faith is the catalyst that gets that support coming. Come on. Doubt and unbelief doesn't please God. Faith pleases God. Say, say it with me. Doubt and unbelief does not please God. But faith pleases him. Hallelujah. So this word being established, believing in the Lord your God, his word and promises, his spirit, you shall be established, built up. Supported to render firm or faithful. You will be made firm and faithful in your faith and in your conviction about victory. See, a lot of times we're, we're challenged with stuff and God's saying, the Bible says to you and I, thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. Say triumph. Triumph isn't defeat. Triumph is not defeat. Triumph is not failure. Amen? It's not defeat or failure. Triumph is winning. Triumph is victory. Hallelujah. See, if we believe that, no matter what task we face, no matter what test we go through, no matter what trial we endure, if we have faith, glory to God, in his word and his promises and his spirit, what's going to happen? The anointing of triumph is going to be present. Hallelujah. David, remember we talked about that little boy, the teenager a couple weeks ago or last week? Remember we talked about that two weeks ago? We went over the story of David and Goliath. What did he have? He had a spirit of triumph. Why? Because he knew his God. I want to say this again. This was coming to me again. What's holding the church back, the body of Christ, back from being more vocal and being more active in faith for healings and miracles? The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Man, don't worry about it. Don't worry about people who have bugs or whatever else. Jesus touched a leper. You and I are called to heal. Say, I am called to heal. I am anointed to heal. What does healing, what, first of all, for you to take the initiative to pray for somebody is faith in that already activated. You're not the healer. We're not the healer. But there's faith involved in it. Faith in what? That God's going to back up his word. There's healing in his anointing. In us. Amen. Hallelujah. So you're going to be believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Rendered firm and faithful. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Trust to trust or believe in. Morally, to be true or certain. Morally, say morally, to be true or certain. Believe in the Lord your God, and your moral compass is going to be in a true factor, in a true path, in a certainty. His word gives us faith that he is the way, the truth, and the life. His word is the answer for every problem, church. And listen, we've had the beloved teachers in the body of Christ, Marilyn Hickey being one. I know that God's a God of his word. I know that God's faithful, and I know he's the God who's right on time. But why is it always the last minute? <laughs> well, it's the last minute in sometimes our situations, right? God, we want the answer. Give me patience and give it to me now. Amen. <laughs> then he goes on in this verse. Put it back up there, Joshy. Verse 20, 2 Chronicles 20, 20, Josh, leave it up. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Now, in the Old Testament, the prophet's office was the way God spoke to the people. 
On this side of the cross, he added four more gifts in that whole collection. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And if they are truly inspired, amen, they are speaking in a prophetic way to the church. Why? Because faith is calling the things that are not as though they are. See, there, there, there's a climate for the miraculous that God wants back in this house and active. That you, when we walk into here, that our corporate faith, believing that now's the time for miracles. Amen? Well, may, maybe there's been delay. I'm going to say this. Even if there has been delay, delay is not denial. Hallelujah. Why? Because God said it, that settles it. We're going to believe for it. Hallelujah. Why? If we lift Jesus higher, all men will be drawn unto him. Think about it. The different places where God has begun to pour out his spirit. What was the dinner bell? Brother Hagan always said it. Healing and miracles is the dinner bell for the lost. People have needs. The body of Christ eats the first fruit. But bless God, it's not just for the four walls. It's for the, for the world. Amen. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And this is the word prosper. A, the first definition here is to push forward. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be established. You're going to be firm. You're going to have a certainty. You're going to have a conviction of certainty that my God shall supply all my need. My God will give me the victory. My God has given me the victory already. I just got to take it now and live it out. Hallelujah. My God always leads me in triumph. I'm going to give him thanks. Hallelujah. How does triumphant, a triumphant faith get activated? By giving thanks to God, believing that you have received the things that he has said. Amen. Hallelujah. I like faith. Anybody here like faith? It also means um, to break out. You believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established, and you should believe his prophets, his ministers, the ministry gift of Jesus Christ, the ministry gifts of Jesus Christ through his fivefold offices. And you shall be established. Believe his apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and you shall prosper. Hallelujah. I've said this for years because I know it came from the Holy Ghost. The trust level of congregants for their leaders is directly connected to their prayer for them. When you pray not to control leaders, but you pray that, God, you would give them the, give them the word, Father. Protect them. Bless them, Father, with the word that we need for the corporate setting. Come on. And that I need as an individual. Yes, you have a personal relationship with God, but God has a divine design for us to be equipped individually and collectively simultaneously when we come together together. There's personal growth, but there's a corporate growth as well. It's, it's a double blessing. That's what this, every time you and I in the assembly, that's what our faith should be working for. Father, I believe that I'm going to receive something tonight. I believe I'm going to receive something today. That something's going to quicken in my spirit. Bless God, and I'm going to be inspired. Say inspired. See, listen, the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And what happens when you hear and sit under the preaching or teaching of the word, two things occur. One of two things. Well, it's actually simultaneous. It's both sides of the coin. We see where we are, and we also see where we're not. And sometimes when we see where we're not in the Lord, it's embarrassing. When we see where we are in the Lord, it's inspiring. Hallelujah. But we're not to give in to the embarrassment. We're supposed to be learned. We're supposed to be trained by it. Lord, I'm not going to be embarrassed by what I'm not. I'm going to grow in what I'm not or what I'm lacking. I'm going to grow in it. Hallelujah. I'm going to work at it. Say work. I'm going to work at it. Hallelujah. With your grace and your strength, I'm going to get victory in that area. Hallelujah. It's a win-win situation when we do it God's way. Hallelujah. Amen? Now, go to Ephesians uh, 4 real quick. Ephesians chapter 4. We're familiar with these passages. Verse 11. And he himself gave some. I'm going to open it up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Say faith in our leaders. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's something, there's something very warm about that. If you say faith in the leader, it's kind of like impersonal. 
when you say faith in my leader or faith in our leaders, there, there's an endearment with it. There's a connecting. Words have a great effect in the way we walk and talk and think. Our leaders, our congregation, our church family, that's the way we're wired. We've been wired that way from forever that I know of. We, the people. <laughs> you know, the constitutionalists. <laughs> we, the people. It wasn't like we, the leaders of the people. We, the people, as one. In Ephesians, let me get there with you. We know this, but please, let there be faith involved in this. Lord, I want this to be more than just head knowledge. I want this more to be more than fact. I want it to be a tangible reality, a, the essence of the anointing of it, transforming me. Transform my thinking, Father. Transform my thinking from glory to glory. Conform me to the image of Jesus. Amen? So in Ephesians 4, we know in verse 11, the Holy Ghost said through his vessel, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for this purpose, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. For the equipping, leave that up, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Just stop there. Let's stop here a minute. Park and reflect and consume. Let's chew on this. Well, there can be a couple different reasonings. I want to say this. Reasoning is the voice of the soul. Revelation is the voice of the spirit. Conscience is the voice of the spirit, human spirit. Revelation is the voice of the Holy Ghost. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Anybody in here a saint? Let me see your hand today if you're a saint. Glory to God. I mean, sinner to saint, that was a good deal. Amen. I say it that way. You've heard me say it over the years. I went from pervert to convert. But I didn't realize I went from sinner to saint. Hallelujah. I didn't deserve it. Amen. I didn't deserve it. Neither, none of us did. But by when you and I put our faith and trust, think about this. When you and I gave our heart and our soul and our mind and our body to the Lord Jesus, we became a saint, a holy one, a separated one, consecrated unto God. We didn't have to get canonized. You know, the, in the Roman Catholic Church, and anybody to be canonized or deemed a saint, there has to be a, a real miracle. I want to say this. Our salvation is the first miracle. God knew that right from the get-go. Amen. That's why the Holy Ghost said, now, you, you you you're not still a sinner. You're a new species. You're a saint now. Hallelujah. Now you've got to learn how to live like a saint. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, say saint in your name. Everybody, say your name. Saint something. Yeah, Saint Dennis, go ahead. Ryan, did you say Saint Ryan? You better. Okay, glory to God. Daniel, did you say Saint Daniel? All right. Ephesians 4. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body. So when you and I gather, is our faith really activated when we come? Now, I just want to just present this to you to, as, a cons as something to really consider and have this kind of resolve every time we gather, whether it be prayer meeting, midweek, Sunday, anytime we gather, that if we're hanging out, hey, somebody wants to watch a football game or something like that, when you're amongst the brethren, you're amongst the saints watching a football game, nothing wrong with that, amen, if you're in the football, even if the Cowboys are playing, amen. It's the fellowship. It's not the sport. It's the fellowship that is valuable. Amen? 
But even in the midst of football and all that stuff, you could, or, or just hanging out, having a meal together. Carol and I have been saying this for years. It's good to have fun, you know, uh, and enjoy each other and have, do a game or something that's relaxing. <laughs> and sometimes some of the games aren't too relaxing if you're a, com- a real competitive person. Amen. <laughs> But if our faith is activated, look at this, for the equipping of saints for the work of ministry. Lord, what is part of the reason I even go to fellowship with the saints on a Sunday or Wednesday or Monday? God wants our faith to be actively believing this is part of my being equipped. See, we've been saved since 1974. But every time we gather, it doesn't matter to me who's at the pulpit. It doesn't matter because... You know, when you're preparing a message, you're eating the first fruit. But this message isn't just for you. It's a, I'm sharing with you something I, God gave me to eat. Amen? I don't care who's speaking. I'm ready. We have notebooks. My notebook's filled with there anyone that's been in here and speaking. And if there's something coming in through inspiration, through any of the saints in here, I pen it down. Because if it's God, and I believe it is, I should value it and cherish it. That's one of the beauty of folks in here. And I'm going to encourage those who have ministered in tongues. Nancy, Deborah, um, Vicky's not here. And anyone else in here, if you have faith to believe that God can give you a diverse tongues, I encourage you, be recognized. Let's see our services charged with the presence of God. Listen, Brother Hagin, when he gave that last great prophecy to the church, it was amazing, so humble. But yet he said the twin gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues are so essential to the body of Christ. They were crowning jewels, Joe Jordan deemed them. Those twin gifts, you can't make it up, but you can have faith. You can covet earnestly spirituals to be in operation. I'm going to say this. If the seven other gifts were in operation in the Old Testament and Jesus, the head of the church, saw it necessary to add those twin gifts to the body of Christ, they should be in operation. And I want to say this, that they are so charged by the Spirit of God that now I believe with all my heart that they are part of the portal that opens up the other seven. Ah! Hallelujah! Twin gifts. Amen. So, <laughs> till we all come to the unity of the faith. Next verse, Joshi. Verse 13. This is what's going to happen is our faith is believing that we're being equipped to do the works of the Father. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a world going to hell with the pedal to the metal all around us. And they need to see Jesus. You and I don't have a reputation anymore, and we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to lose ours and gain his. Telling him about Jesus, sharing about Jesus. Amen? All right. James 1.21. I'm going to just skip over to James 1, verse 21. James makes this, and he says this. Therefore, lay aside, and James chapter 1, verse 21. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Look at that word, the implanted word. And in the Greek, in your study aids, implanted word means that which is deposited into you by others. Receive with meekness. So when we are gathered together, regardless of who's God's anointed for that day to speak and, and to release the now word of God. I'll just say it that way. The heart of the Father. And the beautiful thing that there's no competition in this pulpit. I want to say there's no competition here in this pulpit. That's the beauty that God can see that this is part of the game. Pastor Tim was scheduled to preach today. And I asked him, I, I said, I got something I feel like I. I said, would you be? And I asked him because the responsibility and authority was delegated to him to bring forth the word today. And I said, would you be willing to defer? I approached him with respect because there's an office there. 
Amen. I'm not the. I'm. What was that dude on that crazy car show? Boss Hog? Is that what it was? There's no Boss Hog. There's respect and honor amongst leaders. Amen. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, that word which is being instilled into you, deposited into you by someone else, not your own personal study. And we know in Hebrews it says, do not neglect gathering yourselves together with the saints, which is the habit of some, all the more as the day approaches. So how's the devil? What's one of his greatest strategies in the strategy in war? Divide and conquer. They've been using that for years in the natural. Divide and conquer. Amen? So let's receive that because it's able to save our soul. God is speaking to each one of us and to us corporately. Contend earnestly. I want to remind you about that. Contend earnestly, Jude 3. Struggle to complete to compete against yourself for a prize. Contend earnestly. Say, contend earnestly. What's that mean? That you and I have a responsibility to struggle. Not in a bad way, but like struggle is harness your flesh and our flesh from dictating to our spirit the way it's going to grow or what it's going to accomplish. There's a struggle. Amen? Say there's a struggle. To compete against yourself for a prize. To contend with an adversary. To endeavor to accomplish something. To fight. That's what contend earnestly is. There's a faith and a glory that the Father wants to shine through you and I that is not like anything else. And if you and I determine that love's always going to be our method and faith, or love is going to be our motive and faith our method, we'll always have fruit and we'll always have results. God's not a man that he would lie. You are his, you're his voice. You're his promise to the people around you. Hey, first benefactors, your family. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What kind of Christ are we in our homes? Is Christ ruling and reigning in our hearts and our homes? Remember that love of God that's shed abroad in our heart? Why is it so easy to love people outside your house sometimes? It seems like it's easier to love people outside your house. Why? Because in-house, everybody, you know, your, your moods, your personality, Situations, circumstances, amen. The roller coaster sometime of life. People outside the house don't see the roller coaster. But you can have six flags a go-go, amen, in the house. And mom and dad or husband, wife, kids, the whole, all those dynamics. They see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. Our gang has seen it. Oh, not you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They've seen the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mostly good, occasionally bad, rarely the ugly, but the ugly was ugly when it showed. Listen, I want to tell you something. That old man, he must have come out of the casket. We need to keep that casket shut. <laughs> As we close, and I've got a whole bunch I could get into, but I'm minded of what Pastor Tim brought forth a month ago or more. And he ministered on the parable of the talents. And I have embraced and cherished what the Lord gave him as a download. The importance of being responsible to exert effort with the truth, gifts, and graces entrusted to us. That's part of this contending earnestly. The word exert means, again, to put forth as power, exercise, as ability or influence, to put into vigorous action. Say vigorous action. Now, does that sound casual? Does that sound casual? No. That's king. And I want to say this, there are, and you've heard it before. I'm trying to close this. There's casual Christianity. There's two types of Christianity in the world today, casual Christianity and kingdom Christianity. 
And you and I have a choice. Nobody can force us to be one or the other, but you and I have to make a choice from the heart and from the soul. I choose to be a kingdom Christian. Amen? So that means being on alert, being active 24-7. Amen? Believing. And I want to say this, guys, let's believe for the impossible. You know how miracles are going to start to occur in here? As we pray for them. Let's get it. In, in the Bible says, with the, out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's get it in our heart by speaking. Father, for every miracle needed in my family, every miracle needed in our church family, every miracle needed in our community, let the miracles come. Every back that needs to be made straight, every hip, every knee, every leg, every organ that's needed, the mental rewiring, the chemical balancing. Come on. Science is so limited. It's helpful, but it's limited. We need Christ the healer again and Christ the miracle worker. I'm going to stop. Well, paradigm. Well, no, I'm just done. I'm done. We believe in you. We so believe in the love of God in you and the power of God in you. I charge you in the name of the Lord Jesus, let him out. Let him out. Say, turn him loose. R.W. Schambach used to say, and he used to pray, it was the funniest thing I ever heard. He used to say, the Holy Ghost is the hound of heaven. Sick him. Holy Ghost, sick him. <laughs> and he would turn the Holy Ghost loose. <laughs> yeah, don't, ooh, Mom Goodwin, yeah. Well, we're not going to tell you that one, right? Oh, we can? Okay, well, Mom... Carmen Goodwin, Mom Goodwin said this to us one of the times we were with her, and she said, when my kids began to drift, I used to say, Father, dangle them over the fires of hell. If necessary, dangle them over the fires of hell that they come to their senses. Shake them over it. Amen? Be careful what you ask for. But, but I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. She shared that with us because... Her faith was believing that they would not be killed by the enemy, but be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Please stand.